Are you looking for inspiring conversations about faith, film, and life? You're in the right place. Here's the host who knows the right questions to ask, Father Edward Looney. Hey, everybody, it's Father Edward Looney here, and I'm very excited to be speaking with Anthony D'Ambrosio. He is the producer, director of a new Catholic film he's working on right now. It's not yet out, but he's really uh, kicking into high gear with producing and seeking funding and such for a movie about St. Maximilian Colby, Triumph of the heart and so uh anthony and i actually went to school together for i only for me for a semester uh up at saint thomas in saint paul minnesota so uh it's it's kind of fun to see where he's gone and where i've gone and and uh that both of i have a passion for film he's working in the film industry so this is wonderful great to reconnect with you about this project i'm so happy to be on your podcast and to be reunited yeah, so Our Lady brings people together. Uh, somebody once told me, she's like, Our Lady is the connector of the dots. Like, she'll just make things happen. So so that's what she's doing here. And uh, you have this movie, Triumph of the Heart. And uh, it, it's about St. Maximilian Colby. But, of course, for you to say, I want to invest a lot of time, resources. I want to fly all the way to Poland. I want to do all of these things. Like you have to have a devotion to Maximilian Colby to want to do that. So what inspired you to write a script and do all this work uh, for the sake of making the story of St. Maximilian Colby known? That's a good question. Yeah, so I guess I'll I'll start with just talking a little bit about um, the fact that when I was in when I was just graduating seminary, so this is just a couple of years after you met, uh, we got to spend time together. I had a, a serious crisis of health that um, catalyzed a crisis of faith. And I was part of the, the health crisis uh, was chronic insomnia that lasted for um, many, many, many months. Uh, and that allowed me only maybe a few hours of sleep a night. Um, and so during those times when I was awake and no one else was up uh, in this sort of half awake, half sleep, half sleeping kind of state, I was really wrestling with God in a, in a deep way about evil and about uh, suffering and grief and his purpose for them and his purpose for them in my life. And I found myself sort of becoming attracted to St. Maximilian Colby um, in a way that I had never before. I, I frankly was a little bit like turned off by him um, earlier on in my faith journey, just because he has this very you know stern, austere look to him in his pictures. And I just felt like he was too serious. Um, but uh, when I was in that state of suffering, I felt like I was in a cell, like I had been imprisoned um, and my life was sort of taken away from me and I didn't know if I would ever get better because there was no diagnosis, the doctors couldn't figure it out and um, it was just like living a a half life. And in a way, all of the dreams for my future, uh, the relationship that I had with the woman I thought was gonna marry, I was gonna marry, all, all of that was kind of stripped away. And the question that I had to ask was, is life really worth living if 
you know that you are just going to suffer until you die. And of course, I didn't know that, but um, I was attracted to the idea of the conversations that Colby must have had with the other men in his starvation bunker uh, during the final days of their lives. We know that he was able to inspire them to become sort of like champions of the Polish Catholic identity in a place where uh, human identity was trying to be stamped out. And he was able to bring them to uh, staying alive for 14 days. I think a lot of people don't realize this, but Colby wasn't the only one who was injected um, and executed. There were actually three other men who stayed alive with him for that long. So to me, um, there's a lot of miracles of conversion that happened inside of that cell. And I just wanted to, um, I was curious and wanting whatever Colby was able to give to those other men. Uh, I was seeking that. And I felt like I gained it through the meditations that I had. Um, I found a, a hope and a certain openness in my heart that I wasn't able to find before. And that led me to uh, wanting to tell the story. So the story of St. Maximilian Colby has been told in different ways. I know there was like a docudrama. It was in Polish with English subtitles, but it was called maybe The Two Crowns. So I saw that. I was deeply moved by that back in the day, uh, you know, probably about four or five years ago now. Uh, I think that was right at the beginning of when I started writing film reviews that, that I was able to see that. Uh, but then, you know, as news is hitting about Triumph of the Heart that you're making, there was a, it was either a National Catholic Register or Church Pop where I saw that there's a Polish film about St. Maximilian Kolbe that's being filmed too. And so um, why your film? Uh, do you view these other projects like as competition or threats to yours? Or like, how do you receive all that, I guess, or perceive it? Yeah, there's not, I don't know of a Polish film about Maximilian Kolbe that's happening at the moment, but there was one done by... Um, by a, a fairly legendary director in Poland, perhaps like the most well-known director. Um, and it had Christopher Waltz in it. And it was mainly about the man who, who had fled and who was uh, sort of the cause of the lineup. You know, at the time they knew, anybody that fled knew that um, 10 other men would be picked at random to starve from their, uh, their starvation or star would, would would starve. So um, the idea of that story was what would it be like to live with that guilt and then to sort of uh, see Colby's canonization and hear about the story uh, that you had left behind. And it was a, it was a decent movie. Um, I actually got to meet the director and go and have dinner with him and, and speak with him. And he gave me lots of advice and lots of insight that was actually pretty crucial for me making my film. So I think with all this kind of work, um, art builds upon art and story builds upon story. Um, I, I don't see any threat. I think that all of us have um, in some way influenced each other, have given, have paved, those who have made things about Colby before have sort of paved a road for this. Um, but I would also say that this is the first movie that has been made that really focuses on Colby himself and certainly on his relationships with the nine other men in the cell. 
Yeah, very interesting. And as we're talking about this film, you know, it's right about the time where this new movie about Mother Cabrini, picked up by Angel Studios, is being released in theaters in March, early March. So it seems that Hollywood is taking some sort of interest, or at least theaters are, uh, in some of these stories. We see The Chosen releasing episodes, and people are kind of hungering. The fact that The Chosen was number two or number three at the box office the weekend that it came out, uh, I think sends a strong message. So uh, in some of the advertising for Triumph of the Heart, you're promoting a Kickstarter campaign, collecting funds really to help with production and everything like that. Uh, there's a tagline or a headline there that says something something to the effect of Hollywood wouldn't make this film or Hollywood wouldn't make this movie. What do you mean by that? Um, I think that it's mainly just that the normal process for making film, um, it, film is the most collaborative of all mediums and arguably the most expensive, perhaps next to architecture. Um, it is. It requires literally every type of artisan that you could imagine to be involved in some way. And so you need lots and lots of money. And uh, economically speaking, that also means it's very risky to make a movie. Um, the film industry needs to have some sort of formula in their heads now to know we're going to be able to make X amount based on the fact that these stars are in it and that it's about this thing. And so we know that this audience will come out for it. That's pretty much how every movie is made in Hollywood right now is according to a certain formula based on the draws of the stars and the subject matter. Um, but they don't have a formula for faith-based movies. It's a, a market that certainly they've ignored. Um, out of whatever biases you know are are there but i think that it's also because we haven't quite proven the market um in my perspective it, the chosen and mother cabrini are both doing that on a big scale right now but especially in the catholic world there hasn't been a saint film made in recent history that's been commercially productive like commercially uh, viable where it's made money uh, if you think about Fatima, uh, that movie lost something like $16 million. So oh, wow. if you do the math on it, the Catholic world can only, can there's only so many people with money that will get contribute to film. And uh, out of that, they can only do it so many times before their money is exhausted if the movies don't make any money back. Uh, so all that to say... Hollywood won't make this movie has more uh, in some ways it, it has a lot to do with their biases and the woke culture and all that stuff that creates blinders for them to this emerging uh, world that actually is the majority of Americans that want meaningful content that isn't shoving politics down their throat. But uh, it also has a lot to do with just the pure business of it. I think if Hollywood started to understand more clearly that you can make a significant amount of money on these sorts of films. I think that there would be quite a few people doing it. And our hope is to prove that in some way. Interesting. Well, there's a movie that uh, I, I just uh, 
heard the the producer director speak and uh, the movie's looking for distribution right now. So I don't know if it's going to be in theaters, if it's going to be on streaming or whatnot, but it was about Sister Blandina, who has a cause for sainthood. Tomas Sanchez made this film. And uh, I watched it. I was very moved by the story of uh, Sister Blandina. So, you know, there are other Catholic movies out there. And, and I, I get what you're saying that, like, sometimes they're not profitable. They're hard to sell, things like that. So I, I think this Cabrini movie is kind of novel in the sense of, you know, as it's going into theaters, like, I think Mother Cabrini's story is going to be received by Catholics and Christians and unbelievers and and all sorts of different types of people. And so that's kind of what you're hoping would happen with Colby is that, that society, people will know the story of Colby and, and be moved uh, by his life, by his heroism and, and such, and, you know, begin to look at suffering and, and those types of questions as well. So so you're hoping to, to reach a greater audience than just Catholics, right? Yeah, I would say that a big problem, I think, that we've had as Catholics when we tell the stories of our saints is that um, we're not as aware of just the universal human stakes that are involved in the stories of our saints. And so we we use a lot of theology and a lot of things that are insider speak in order to signal holiness. So, you know, somebody's levitating or somebody says something um, prayerful to Our Lady. And these things are all important parts of the saints' lives, but you can't demonstrate true heroism with those kinds of signals um it's kind of like the the catholic version of virtue signaling or something is is like knowing the right theology and, and praying the right prayers and things like that but uh the stories of our saints are actually incredibly human stories and there's a lot about like overcoming evil and fighting for hope and just universal human values that will appeal to anybody that has struggled uh in some way in their life. And so the hope is that we are able to um, to uncover Colby's story and to show the core of it to people who don't necessarily already believe in the Immaculata or in uh, Christ and, and the gospel, that just the pure human stakes of being in a room with nine other men, knowing you're going to die and needing to answer the question, why stay alive? Um, why have hope even now? I think just that uh, story is enough to really capture the imaginations and hearts of, of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. Where did the name Triumph of the Heart come from? That's a good question. Uh, I actually am really grateful you asked that because nobody asks me that. And it's something that I really love to explain. It's, it's one of my favorite things about the movie, to be honest. Um, in Nazi Germany, there was a the most famous propaganda film ever made by the Nazis. They had a massive propaganda machine. Um, the most famous one that they made was called Triumph of the Will. And mm. it articulates and encapsulates the Nietzschean philosophy of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, willpower is what makes the world evolve, etc., and so the opposite of that, I think, is Colby's story of vulnerability and willingness to be poor and to enter into suffering on the behalf of other men. And 
I think that that contrast is really articulated by, um, by the title. Yeah. How interesting. So, you know, for me, I have served as a director and producer of a documentary ended up being distributed through EWTN and now, you know, available on YouTube, whatever. So it was about roadside chapels. And so it was just telling the story of Belgian roadside chapels uh, here in the United States in Northeastern Wisconsin. And uh, so a lot of local people backed back to the documentary. You know, people are kind of surprised, like it costs money to make things. Sure, I could have shot something on my iPhone. I could have pieced it together, put it, you know, it made something nice. I, I do this all the time. I, I do things with my iPhone, record videos and make like a little voiceover or whatever. But, but like we were looking to do a very professionally told story to promote the roadside chapels. And uh, and so like the price tag was ten thousand dollars, probably cost more. The guy gave me a break, but that was just, you know, for him to edit, colorize, come out and film. You know, he gave up two days of his life to do this project with me just filming. And then, you know, there were all the times that we went back and forth with edits and you know, kind of watched it and you made all these changes and you know kind of interesting there was this one scene that somehow we accidentally cut and like the whole time i'm like i know we had this segment where is this segment and we accidentally cut it so so in the in what aired on ewtn i wasn't there but now in the youtube version it's there so so it's just kind of funny how editing and and production work goes so so you have a kickstarter you're trying to fundraise money to support this film and uh, you've gone to Poland, you brought actors there, you filmed there. You know, I, I I was reading the stuff that you were posting on social media, like you had like some visa questions and issues and all this. So so lots went into filming this movie. And now, now you have all the footage, it's on all these hard drives. And now you have the responsibility of going through, putting together the story, telling the story uh, so that we can watch it on the big screen. So that all costs money. So, so I think people they they don't understand like the the economics of a film. Like, how does this cost money? Why does it cost money to make make a film? You've crowdsourced a hundred thousand dollars. So people might say, "Where's that money? How is it being put to use?" So, so uh, how do you explain kind of the cost of making a movie? Gosh, oh man, I don't even know how to where to start. I know it's um, tough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's start with this. Imagine a scene from just a a normal period piece movie. Most saint movies are about people who existed in the past, right? Colby existed in uh, in the twentieth century in Poland, and so there's a really particular thing that you have to create in order to make a convincing uh movie that's historically accurate and at least in some way enough to sell it um in order to create that environment and so every single thing that you see on screen in a in a normal movie about uh, anybody from the past you'll generally have this one wide opening shot where they show the the environment they show the street the cars moving around all the extra the people are walking around um, and then, you know, the character gets out of the car and goes into the building or whatever. And then they're in, in a, a smaller house, but that, that still uh, looks exactly like it was historically preserved perfectly from that era. And it's just what people don't realize is that every single detail of that shot that feels just completely organic 
every single detail was planned and budgeted and cared for. The hat that the lady was wearing, the uh, the mm. the purse that she was wearing, every single piece of that was either created or or rented. The the street had to be shut down. You had to put up green screens around the the random street signs that have gone up since then. Even if you found a very a very um, in, incredibly accurate historically preserved area, there's always going to be little things that people have installed or updated that you know have an exit sign in there or whatever. And so all of that has to be changed. Usually, uh, even if you get the bones of a place, for instance, the inside house, you'll have to um, go out and rent furniture to bring in for that place. If a pe character uses a pen or uses paper, you have to go to particular prop houses to find pens that were accurate to that era. The glasses for Colby. I can't sure. even tell you the nightmare of finding glasses that were not prescription uh, that are historically accurate. You know, you just, you don't think that, uh, you don't re think about it, but you realize like there is, there's no such thing as glasses that exist from that time that don't have prescriptions. And if you put them on an actor, for you know 20, uh, 20 hours a, a day that's we're not actually shooting 20 hours a day most of the time usually it's about 12 hours a day but still that's going to cause lasting damage to their eyes you know um so anyway just the the expenses pile up over and over sure. and over in a million ways like the parking lot the 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 food service it's it's literally an army that it takes to make a movie and so you have to have all of the same infrastructure and supply um, to be able to support the people that are actually working on the creative side of it too. So yeah, it's a massive undertaking that people don't really understand. So have you filmed the entirety of the movie or are there still scenes yet to film? The entirety of the movie is filmed. There might be little insert shots that we, uh, we get. Um, our hope is to finish editing it and to show it to um, the historians in Auschwitz and to get permission to shoot some time-lapse environmental stuff there. Um, hmm. But ultimately, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's done. So your crowdfunding, it's through Kickstarter. It started out, I think, with a very minimal goal, 20,000. You surpassed that pretty quickly. Then it was 40. You know, it kept going up and up and up. And of course, there, there are great expenses. I, I personally understand this stuff. So, so have you just been floored at kind of the, the fact that people are willing to support this project? I have not been floored that people were willing to support it. I think I was floored at how fast, like how, how much people supported it and how fast people supported it. I guess to give an example, um, I've done fundraising in the past and it's all about relationships usually like you build relationships with people and slowly help them to understand what you're doing and over the course of many months you might be able to procure something like a, a larger major gift um we've had people who dropped in five thousand to ten thousand dollar contributions just that i ha i don't know them at all they have no relationship with me they just simply saw the crowdfunding campaign, they saw the trailer and were so moved emotionally by what we were doing that um, they decided that that was a place that they wanted to put a major contribution. So I think the the groundswell of support that has come around this project has been something that I've never seen before. 
in all of the work that I've done in the last 10 years in the Catholic world. Wow. Is your goal then to be on screens all throughout the country, kind of like, you know, I hate comparing you to the Cabrini movie, but like this Cabrini movie that's coming out, it's going to be in theaters across the country, you know, that's your goal. That's your hope. You're not like doing like, I'm going to go around to 10 different cities and show this. This is like, you know, that your, your hope is to distribute it nationwide. Yeah. The goal is to do that. And the more we get contributed, the more likely that is to happen. The point of the crowdfunding campaign is sort of what I was telling you before about proving that this concept is viable and that there's real um, economic value there that will give a distributor the opportunity or the, the confidence to take a risk. Doing a theatrical release um, for a film like usually costs anywhere between uh, $10 million to $15 million for a small theatrical release. Mm. Um, so what we're talking about in terms of what we're hoping that the uh, distributor will, will gamble on this is pretty significant. And so they'll look at this campaign and they'll say, hey, clearly there's a lot of people that really want to see this movie. They're giving an incredible amount of money and it's far beyond just like this guy's network, you know. Um, there's a market there. So that's that's part of the, the strategy behind, sure. behind all this. So uh, the Kickstarter is up right now to support Triumph of the Heart, the new movie that you filmed and now you are currently in production with. What's the last date someone can uh, throw some support towards the Kickstarter for this project? Yeah, March 8th is the final day of the campaign. Um, our hope is to get to $200,000. We feel very confident that if we do that, we're going to be in a position to be able to make some real negotiations with uh, distributors like Angel or um, Daily Wire or some of the other bigger um, faith-based kind of houses in Hollywood. Um, and so that is, uh, we're still about, um, still about 80,000 away from that. Um, and our hope is that we've been able to show and demonstrate the kind of emotional power of the film from that uh, on the on the uh, Kickstarter enough to where people are able to see, uh, yes, this is going to be a really powerful movie. It's going to actually honor uh, the saint, and we don't want to see Hollywood do this and ruin it again like they've done with like Padre Pio or yeah, some of sure. the other saint movies that have come out. So. Uh, yeah, let's tap into that kind of uh, righteous anger and <laughs> and take deep and get this thing made. <laughs> well, this is great. I'm I'm happy you're telling the story, Maximilian Colby. I'm a Marian theologian. I know St. Maximilian Colby uh, has many great Marian followers and devotees. Uh, he gave us a method of consecration. He loved Our Lady so much. And so uh, this is going to be a glorious film. Uh, I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, I hope that it... Uh, you know, meets and exceeds all expectations. You're able to find that distributor. And uh, I know that Our Lady, who is the Mediatrix of Grace, she's interceding and praying for this project right alongside St. Maximilian Colby. So so uh, I hope you experience a great triumph uh, with this film. So thanks so much, Anthony, uh, for sharing about it. And hopefully, you know, when, when the movie's coming to theaters, I can have you back and we can like, break it down and talk about the film and, and do another little uh, get together. Yeah, I would absolutely love that. Let's do it.
Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Anthony. And uh, go over to Kickstarter and support the campaign today. If you liked today's episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening. And don't forget to stay up to date with what Father Edward is doing by following him on Facebook, X, or Instagram at the handle at FREdwardLooney. Thanks for listening, and please join Father Edward again next time for another inspiring conversation.